afternoon with Dennis Fithian on Detroit Sports, ready to get things underway with podcast number 56. And we have Ryan Van Dyke, who, and I'm looking at it, a quarterback everywhere, Big Ten, former Spartan, NFL, NFL Europe, Arena League. Uh, Ryan, hey, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me, Dennis. Appreciate uh, being on the show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with you. And, you know, you have been at the high school ranks coaching, and the coaching continues as a as a QB coach, a, a QBU, a, a quarterback guru. Uh, what's that like for you? You enjoying that? Oh, it's living the dream. Um, you know, after I got done playing football uh, professionally, I mean, I was 27 years old, and I never had a real job. So, you know, I spent the last 13 years, or at least 12 for that matter, just trying to figure out, like, what it is you're supposed to do in this life. And I really just settled on um, something that I'm familiar with that I feel very passionate about, and that's working with young people and teaching the game of football through the lens of being a quarterback. So I, I love it, man. I, I, I feel like uh, the luckiest person on, on earth. You know what? I, I watched your – first video that that came up on twitter you got a big floppy hat you're talking about crossing routes and go you know it's it's pretty awesome and it, it looks like everything that you just said there it looks exactly like that on uh, on that little short video i watched man you, you look like you're loving it yeah and you know i mean kids talk and come from all different shapes and sizes and you know as far as their their talent levels and everything and it's really just meeting them where they're at you know, people remember how you make them feel. And uh, I think, you know, all these kids coming to me to, to want to get better. Um, you know, I, I really just meet them where they're at. And if, you know, we can accelerate things and great. And if we need to start from the very beginning, that's fine too. But it's really just about tailoring a program for that quarterback to get better. And that's really what it's all about. But what sort of access did you have, like a guru, when you know you were getting started high school? I know the technologies, you know, changed from year to year, and you know now we're talking about you know over ten years, even more than that. So I would imagine uh, you know a lot of the the techniques and, and trainings are different. But what what did you have access to back when you were coming up? I had my two younger brothers that would shag balls in the front yard. That's what we had. <laughs> You know, and we, we would have, you know, if there wasn't Thursday night football, it was Friday night, you know, it's a high school game. It was our Saturday uh, Saturday rocket football games. And on Sunday we'd watch, you know, the, the Bears, Packers, and Lions and and really just falling in love with, you know, the game and being around your teammates and growing up with your friends and, you know, like everything that's special about high school football um, or, you know, at least that that age that you're at, you know, um, but, you know, I was hook, line and sinker from the very beginning, um, you know, relative to quarterback training. I think we went to some team camps. There was nothing specialized back in the late nineties. So, you know, really everything that I've gained is, you know, pretty much been through, you know, through me being coached and taking the best coaching points from other people. Were you always a quarterback, like when you were playing pickup when you were younger? I envision, you know, like a, a Friday Night Lights, they got the, the tire hanging from the tree, the kids just, you know, throwing them from 10 yards or whatever else. But when you played pickup, were you always yeah. the quarterback? No, I was a wide receiver or tight end. Um, I wasn't even a quarterback until my freshman year in high school. 
you know, um, my best friend was the quarterback. And ironically, my dad was the head coach who picked my best friend. <laughs> so um, for a couple of years there, you know, I was pretty disgruntled, but, you know, it, it gave me the, the fuel that I needed to get better. And, um, you know, I learned a great deal through that process of, of not getting what I wanted right away. You know, I feel like uh, I know Marshall, Michigan, because uh, I go to Indianapolis uh, a lot, and I go to Arkansas, visit my relatives a lot. So you go 94 to 69, it always says, you know, there's Marshall. So I'm very familiar where it's at, although I've never stopped. I've always just, you know, uh, I guess, you know, taking a left or, or heading south there on 69. But but that's where you're from. And you mentioned that high school career. I was just looking. You, you go and you win a state title as a, a junior, and then you go back to the Silverdome. Uh, tell me about that junior year, what you remember. I mean, what was that like for the city? That must have been pretty, pretty big, uh, great memory and, and great for the city there. Yeah, I mean, we had a great football program. And, you know, uh, Rich Halkow was our head coach at Marshall. Um, you know, the field's named after him now. Uh, he was a fantastic uh, high school football coach. And, you know, I think really just from a program standpoint, you know, it it started at the high school level, but it was also equally important to have a great youth program. So there was a lot of good youth football being generated at that time to filter into, you know, being high schoolers. But, um, you know, we had a, a very talented couple classes back to back. Um, and we just all grew up with one another. We were all competing against each other, you know, be it on the football field or for girls or, you know, and, we just, uh, there's a lot of synergy between the two classes and we put it together. And, you know, we made a hell of a run a couple of years in a row. Yeah. For those two years there, you win a title and you go back to the Silverdome. Are we talking about uh, any, any games that came right down to it? Big play at the end that you still remember that people still talk about? Is there one that jumps out? Something like that? Uh, yeah. You know, there's a couple, couple of them. You know, we had to beat our arch rival to advance in the playoffs. And we, we had played them earlier in the season. It was Battle Creek, Harper Creek, and they pounded us pretty good. Um, and we had about four or five weeks uh, in between the time we played them in the playoffs. Um, not many people gave us a chance. You know, it was one of those uh, coming into manhood type games for me. It was like, man, this is really, I mean, there's parents that don't even think we could win, you know. So, and we upset them, and we used that momentum to get to the, uh, state championship and you know we had a, a last minute drive in the state championship to win it um so it was a pretty exciting year and you know even the following year just the the chance to repeat you know uh, that was pretty special too yeah that sounds like last minute drive man you you pulled me in there with that kind of talk where yeah. uh, ryan van duck you're just uh tuning in or skipping ahead here in the podcast uh that's who we're talking with and you know, Marshall, where it, it's located south-central uh, in the state of Michigan, I don't know if this is true or not, but if you look at southeast Michigan, it seems like there's more Michigan fans. And then, of course, if you move up at anywhere like up north, it seems like it's Michigan State. But then as you move west, about where you're at, that could be anything from Michigan State to Notre Dame. And it seemed like when you were a high school player, those were the schools, like Notre Dame and Michigan State. But there were others there. What What was that – like, who did you like growing up? And then, you know, when you, you started thinking about where you're going to go, you know, what was uh, the biggest influence there? Well, I, I credit my uh, Notre Dame fan experience to my Uncle Dave, 
who, you know, back in the late 80s would always go to the Notre Dame games and he'd always bring us back, you know, pennants or um, jerseys or hats. And, you know, so, and, and plus Lou Holtz is a pretty lovable figure. So I always loved Notre Dame growing up. I thought the gold helmets were super cool. I mean, we would literally have white t-shirts that we would take black permanent marker on and we'd make, you know, our jerseys. We'd be 25, the Rocket, or number nine, Tony Rice. I mean, we were <laughs> just kids being creative in the front yard playing games. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was kind of a mixed bag. It was Notre Dame, Michigan, or, or Michigan State. I'd say probably Michigan State at that point was, you know, third. Um, I really liked Michigan, you know, because right at that age I was, you know, the Fab Five was coming to life. So, you know, I was 12 years old when they came out. You know, all of a sudden I'm out at Foot Locker buying, buying black socks to look like the Fab Five. Um, but I'd say, you know, the the deciding factor was probably when Michigan State, uh, Michigan State hired Coach Saban. Um, and from the day he arrived, you know, he came to my high school pretty quickly and, you know, expressed interest in me as a football player, and, you know, as a person and got to know our coach and my family. And I just really liked his approach. And, you know, um, looking back 25 years now, I think I was a pretty good judge of that. Yeah, you know, well. What he, turned, what he turned out to be. Yeah, I was going to say, like, they're the greatest college football coach ever. I mean, he, and, and he's still going. Uh, you want to argue right. for, you know, Bear Bryant, you know, who also has six. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I go way back. You know, you're, you're starting to talk maybe about some of those old Notre Dame coaches way back in the day. But, yeah, I mean, so uh, six titles, any – I don't know if the surprise. What's the question about Saban here? That you've seen what he's accomplished and uh, you've been able to, you know, see it uh, up close and then from afar – and now that we're talking about it, looking back, had any idea that you were just blown away by Nick Saban? I mean, you, you see some of that, you know, now that you look back and now that you know what he accomplished? I, uh, Yeah, I, I'll try to answer this as, as the best way I can. You know, my dad um, is, a, is an engineer, sales guy by trade. So growing up, you know, from a very young age, like I worked in my dad's shop at 10, 11 years old. So any, any, he put me right with my grandpa, his dad, and he's an old Dutchman and everything was about attention to detail. So like I had that attention to detail, um, priority in my mind, you know, anyway, just as a person. But when I met coach Saban and I saw the attention to detail that he had or demanded on the football field, not only from his players, but coaching the coaches up. You know, because that was very verbal in front of us, too. Like, seeing our coaches, um, you know, be corrected in front of us about something that we did. So, uh, it really was an indoctrination into college football to learn the right way. And that was something that I wanted to be a part of. Um, I, I always got, I had a great relationship with Coach Saban. The assistant coaches at Michigan State at that point were fantastic, and they went on to do great things, you know, on their own as well. But it just felt like the right place. I love these Lansing, you know, the Michigan State people, um, just by and large, were, were kind of like me. So I liked it. felt comfortable. Yeah. You know, I just watched, I think it was just last year, the, the Saban and Belichick. I think it was an HBO special. I don't know if you saw that, but these two – 
you know, the, the two great coaches and how they right. swap stories back and forth and the similarities between the two. And it's just uh, their, their minds, they're always, what you're saying, attention to detail. And they're just always thinking about it. They're, they're competitive and they're just, it doesn't seem like their mind's going too far from, from football, almost always, even when these guys are just sitting around. I mean, they're, they're talking about the past, but they're right there in the future, and they're talking about what's going on tomorrow. It's a, it's a pretty amazing right. thing, those guys. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's something for the, for the last couple of years of, of just training quarterbacks. You know, I understand that now. You know, like when I, I had those 13 years where I was kind of trying to figure out I was in financial institutions and I was working, you know, as, as an insurance agent. And I, I did think about football during the day, but I also had this other stuff, you know, obviously that would take up a majority of my time to think about professionals. So when I got into the private uh, quarterback training world, now that's all I do. I mean, I'm talking to colleges, I'm talking to, to kids, I'm training kids, I'm talking to their parents and following up, I'm talking to their high school coach to figure out what type of playbook they have, I'm talking to my business partner about, you know, like there's so much stuff that occupies my day, but it's just football. And I, and I mean, I love every second of it. I mean, it's from the moment I wake up till you know, I lay my head on the pillow, there's nothing but football running through my head. That's so much more awesome than, you know, having to re- live yeah. a, a real life, you know, I've gone out and, uh, yeah, yeah. and business. So and I'm, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. I get it, man. Uh, th- that's great. to be able to do it. You know, I, I was looking at all of the names. You probably get asked this a lot, but I'm going to ask you again. I, I was just looking at all of the, uh, you're going to be hall of famers, just great players that uh, I'm just looking in your class that you came in with at Michigan state, Antonio Gates, Plaxico Burris in your recruiting class. Uh, Gates. Yeah. How much did you see him? Uh, this is another. Did you know that you know after all these years you'd be talking about one of the greatest tight ends? He wasn't there for long, right? Yeah, I know. I know. He was there for a summer semester right when we arrived, and um, you know we we had to take summer school. So I actually spent quite a bit of time with Antonio, a uh, couple months. Great guy. Uh, I think he was just trying to figure out like. It was a positional thing. I think Coach Saban wanted to try him out an outside linebacker. Um, and I think, you know, he was more offensive-minded. So um, he went the basketball route, and he ended up following Coach Pease, uh, who recruited us to Michigan State, to Kent State, not to play football, but to play basketball. So, I mean, he had a very unique journey. And, you know, the cool part of it is, is I've – if you sound mind, sound body in quarterback university, I've been able to to help and see his son um, come up through the ranks. And I think he is going to be a junior at Dearborn this year. Antonio mm-hmm. Gates, junior. Great player. Tight end? Yep. Yeah. I, you know what? Gates, I, I remember him going to Kent State. I think they went to the Sweet 16. Uh, he was an awesome yeah. Awesome basketball player. I keep thinking that he's going to show up in, in Indianapolis. I know he didn't play last year, but, you know, him and Rivers just going out, you know, him just coming back. I never put that out of, uh, you know, one more time, one more kick at it for Antonio. But that's good. Yeah. And then and then, uh, and then then Plaxico Burris, there's – you could – I've never seen a, a wide receiver that was actually built, you know, like Plaxico, the, the, the size that he had. I, I bet his reach was seven feet. And he would knock guys over at the line. He's just unguardable. What? 
But uh, what was that like? So you, they would, they, I'm sure teams, you know, they're trying to bracket them. They're trying to do everything, but you still at times when you have a guy like that, you're just saying, you know, the hell with it. I'm still throwing it to him. Just throw it up, you know, to gra- grow it up, for, throw it up for grabs for, for Plaxico. Yeah, I, I would agree that the decision-making process to throw it to him was about what you just explained. <laughs> Very easy. It was like it was like throwing at a garage door. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't miss. You know, like his arms were super long, and you know, I've never I've never seen a receiver look like him. So you know, anytime you had to throw like a ten-yard square out, or you throw a fade into the corner of the end zone, I mean, he would just. He would turn into a basketball player. He was a special basketball player, too. So, um, you know, he was one of my favorite receivers of all time just because it was very easy for him to make me look good. Um, and, you know, his physicality, like I, I, I personally, like as a coach, but even back then as a player, I loved it when I could give the ball to Cedric Irvin or TJ Duckett and they go for a 20 to 30 yard run. But Plexico is laying on a defensive back because he just pancaked them. You know, I would always go up to Plexico and fire him up and then go to the running back and say, hey, nice job. But I always wanted Plexico to get that block, you know, so it could bring a big run. But um, yeah, he had a wonderful career too. Yeah, I saw the one game. I have 236 yards against Michigan where they were putting everybody. They tried to put David Terrell on him. He just, like, threw him down to the ground, whoever they were putting on yeah. him. It was just it, – it was like taking candy from a baby. And then uh, also, you know, Charles Rogers. I saw that you, you, know, you came in, and so this must be, must be a, a pretty big highlight. You're, you're able to, to beat Notre Dame throwing the, the touchdown to Charles Rogers and other – just uh, one of the greats of all time at Michigan State. And really, you know, he goes number right. two in the draft. I agreed with that. I would have taken him in front of Andre Johnson. I mean, the the speed, the hands. I mean, he had everything. He did. And, you know, the cool thing about him was, I mean, I started recruiting him the moment I got to Michigan State. So I was at the Saginaw basketball game during the winter, you know, before he was making the decision. And, um you know, I, I really, when I was there, I really tried to be involved with the recruiting process, try to get these guys, you know, guys like TJ Duckett, Charles Rogers, Jeff Smoker even, you know, um, with a great collection of guys, you know, I mean, that's what, that's what it takes to win. So even back then when I was a quarterback, you know, I still had my coaching hat on because I was like, hey man, if something happens to me, then what's going to happen to the team? Um, and that's kind of how I thought about it. You know, well, you quarterbacks, uh, all of them, even when you're, you know, back in high school, that you guys, you guys are coaches. You know, you, you talk with you guys, even you, know, you talk with a high school player, and sometimes look, they're nervous. Or quarterbacks, you guys already sound like you're in the pros, and you know, it, it seems like that all the way through. And you know, your time at Michigan State, yet you, you had a lot of injuries to deal with there. But uh, now that you've had some time to to look back, when you, when, when you look back at at your career there. Uh, that you're able to persevere, and you know you you took one for the team with the with the red shirt, the one year, just playing the one game, and you got a lot to be proud of when you look back at your uh, your Michigan State career. Is that how you look at it? Yeah, it, it took me a long time to get to that point, Dennis. I mean, it took me it took me a, a few years to get past the point of feeling like you know I didn't achieve everything that I set out to, I didn't, I felt like I 
underachieved, you know, the expectations. And, but, you know, I look at it now, I'm 40, you know, I'm probably in the best shape that I've ever been, you know, other than, you know, my playing experience. I'm running around with kids all day. I'm playing football. I'm healthy. And even though I had those injuries, you know, nothing is lifetime debilitating, you know, and I, uh, I'm a lot more fortunate than I ever really thought because I'm, I'm, I talked to some of my former teammates, man, they're, they live in pain, you know, but they also played 10, 12 years or that, you know, they had a, a really bad injury or whatever, but I've been, I've been pretty fortunate. Um, you know, body wise to everything's intact and, and just uh, moving along, man. Yeah. Well, when you play football, I mean, uh, I just watch, but the, you know, you guys are gladiators. And so to be able to come out and, and have your health, not, not everybody gets to say that. How about a, a word? You know, you spend time, the giants and the Seahawks and uh, over in NFL Europe and Cologne, Germany, who are some of the, the players and coaches that you, that, uh, you know, you, you would point out some of the names there. I don't were uh, I don't know. It was Kurt Warner with the the Giants when you were there? How about Sean Alexander with the Seahawks? Am I missing the timeline, or was that close? Or who else would you? No, have? you're right. You know, I, I would say the highlight of my Seahawks experience was just being to to be in a meeting room every day with Trent Dilfer, Matt Hasselbeck, Mike Holmgren, Jim Zorn. You know, like, I mean, for, for three, four months to be in a meeting room with those guys every single day and just to be a fly on the wall. I mean, like, I, I we even signed Mark Rippon. So, like, I, I, you know, Mark Rippon was basically signed to kind of take my spot, um, which at that point I kind of knew. But I'm like, man, I used to play Techno Bowl with you, dude. Back in, you know, we were laughing about it. Um you know, and then I, I went from Seattle and I went to New York and I was with Kerry Collins and Jason Garrett, Jesse Palmer, um, was a good friend, Jeremy Shockey. Um, you know, we had Jim Fossil as our head coach and then Tom Coughlin took over. They drafted Eli one. They signed Kurt Warner, who was my roommate with the Giants. And, um, you know, it was just a, it was a great experience, man. You know, the Tom Coughlin, Mike Holmgren regime. So, like, I mean, that's it's very easy to understand why those guys were super bowl caliber coaches. Um, just the way they took care of business and the way guys respected the way to work. And, um, yeah, it was just a great experience. It went by, like, I mean, it went by quick, man. Three years and it was like that. But it's hard to believe looking back, you know, half time half a lifetime it's like man i did that you know like how how did i do that but now, i don't feel like i could right now <laughs> well when you're on the field and you're telling these guys they you know that uh, the the holmgren tree the the coughlin tree here these guys from from zorn and all of that and kurt warner and eli mm -hmm. who amazingly you know just did retire you must have a hell of a lot of stories anything with d'antonio was he there as an assistant did you have any dealings with uh yeah, so with, yeah how did that work yeah, so Coach Antonio was uh, Coach Saban's DB coach when I arrived at Michigan State in 1998. Uh, I believe my senior year, Coach Antonio left, and he took the defense coordinator position at Ohio State. So three out of the four years, he was there. But you know, my the greatest time or my greatest experience with Coach Antonio was I left school early, like I didn't finish school, so until I was what 30 
Like I went back, I was 30 years old and I had to finish, I think 25 credits to get my diploma. Um, Coach Antonio was instrumental in making that happen, you know, from getting me involved with the right people to accepting me being in the football building. Um, you know, even, um, extending an invite to, to coach on his staff. Um, so he was, you know, in a, not, not so much as a coach, but more as a mentor role for me. Um, he's very positive. That's a nice story to hear. Uh, that's, that's one that I, I didn't know about. Before I ask yeah. you about the, the QBU uh, camp or, you know, the ability to, to reach you, if you're a, somebody listening that, uh, you know, thinking about that, what would you say about what's going on with college football right now, the status? I mean, we're, we're sitting here, we're taping this on a Tuesday afternoon. It, it's limbo, so I'm not looking for you to make any predictions, but it, it's just, uh, you know, expecting the delay – but it's almost like uh, the 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 players, man. They it's like they're just fighting back tears, and the coaches were too yesterday. You know the the desire to play, and you know everything's at stake, and everything over the last four months. And even though it hasn't looked good the whole time, I mean we're sitting here. It's just got to be pretty tough to stay focused if you're those kids. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so much uncertainty, and you know that leads to anxiety and. Um, yeah, I mean, more than anything, I just feel a great deal of sadness for these kids that they're having to go through all this stuff. Because, I mean, there's so much misinformation out there, and I guess there's there's a lot of truth out there, but trying to navigate between what's what is really difficult. And I can understand both arguments in terms of, hey, let's play versus, hey, let's, let's wait. But, you know, I, I, I also agree, like, you can get this, COVID from doing anything, you know, and if you're not playing football and if you're not around, you know, the, the trainers and the coaches and your teammates and stuff, then what are you going to be doing? Because me as a 18 to 21 year old, um, in school, uh, on scholarship with no football to keep me occupied. I mean, that I, I kind of know what I'd be doing. You know, um, and I'd be around a lot of people that I didn't know and probably doing things that I shouldn't be, you know. So there's a lot. I mean, what would they do if you didn't have a season versus if you did? But, you know, what if a couple people get sick or what if 10 people get sick? I mean, there, there's, so, there's so many different layers to it that I feel, I kind of feel paralyzed because it's like, man, okay, well, what do I do now? You know, I mean, if they're going to, continue with a high school football season or if they're going to cancel it. You know, I, I don't really know how to move forward with what I do, you know, for my business and professionally because I'm waiting to see what happens. So, um, yeah, it's just it's some wild times right now. And I don't know. I mean, that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> – I get it. You know, I, I drive by. I see the high school kids out there on the field. They look like they're getting ready right. to practice or – or practicing and now just sitting around kind of waiting. It seems like uh, what's going to be inevitable, but yeah, who knows yeah. about that? Well, what about uh, QBU uh, for uh, what are the age groups? How do people get in contact with you? Uh, how, how do they um, yeah. get involved? Yep. So quarterback university, um, something I was got involved with a couple of years ago with Donovan Dooley. Um, Donovan Dooley is the founder of quarterback university and, 
Um, the best way to get a hold of us is either to follow us on Twitter. Um, you know, we have our, our names and phone numbers on there. I think there's a link to the, the website. Um, but really just social media and reaching out and, you know, telling us a little bit about yourself and you know how old your kid is and what you're looking for. And then, you know, we're pretty good about following up. Um, so I, I think our youngest uh, student is eight years old. And our oldest student is playing pro football. So everywhere in between. Um, but, you know, really like to get specific age groups working with each other. Um, so the high school kids will have their time. The youth kids will have their time. Um, just because they go, you know, they learn at, at different speeds. And um, obviously you want to compare and contrast yourself to somebody that's like you. But, um, yeah, I mean, we pretty much are statewide. Uh, I kind of handle the west side of the state, or at least from Brighton west. And Dewey's kind of got the metro Detroit to Ann Arbor-ish area. And we're busy, man. I mean, up until Monday when football started for high school, I think I had I was working six out of seven days for like four months. Yeah, I so we're busy. Yeah, well, that's good. You got to stay busy. I I saw uh, Donovan Dooley worked with uh, Joe Milton. Did you get a chance ever to see him throw the football? I didn't see Joe Milton throw, but I saw Brandon Peters throw from Illinois, and he's got a howitzer, man. I mean, he he looks like a a clone of Joe Flacco. Wow, um, just big. You know, the ball when he throws it, you can hear it vibrating. You know, through the air. Um, super strong arm, and you know, I'm glad he's got a shot to play at Illinois. I mean, it's a good situation for him. It sure is. Well, we uh, got our fingers crossed on everything, you know, whether it's yeah. uh, the prep, high school, pro, you know, uh, Michigan, mm-hmm. United States, uh, all of it. So, I mean, it's it's just one of those things where we're at. Hey, Ryan, thanks for spending so much time with me. I said I was going to keep it for twenty. Here it is, a half hour. Sure, do appreciate it. Uh, okay. All the all the best to you and. And uh, continued success. Play, uh, Stay safe out there. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me on, Dennis. I appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, it was nice talking with you. See ya. You too. Take care. There he is. Ryan Van Dyke joining us here on podcast number 56. I know you enjoyed it because you stayed all the way through to the end. If it was right at the beginning and I said, hey, I hope you enjoy this, then we start going. Like, if you like football, and you do – that's why you listen, and here you are at the end. You're still listening, so there it is. Coming up, we're going to try something different on Thursday. Well, it's still sports, but somebody in the music industry, kind of getting out there, we'll try to see when it's going to be like a special podcast, which will be number what, uh, 57 coming up on Thursday. Well, you're hearing this one on Tuesday night. If you subscribe... If you're just listening to it like off of Facebook or somewhere else, you're like, wait a second, it's not Tuesday. Well, that's how you, that's how you get them earlier. You subscribe. And you go down there and you say something in the, um, you know, you, you rate it and then you leave a description. You're like, yeah, nice interview with Van Dyke, man. Great job. Thumbs up. Anything like that. Have a nice day. Take care. You stay safe. Dennis Fithian on Detroit Sports. Goodbye.